Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I have the opportunity to sit down with Michael Costa, who serves as the executive director for C4A, which is a little bit of a tongue twister, and I'll try my best here, but it stands for California's Association of Area Agencies on Aging. In today's episode, Michael talks about his journey starting as a young child where he learned a little bit about policy uh, from his father who served in the shipping industry up in the seattle area and ultimately michael gained a career where he learned about policy and healthcare, and not too long ago was connected to c4a where he's been serving for many years in california, in california i should say the area agencies on aging serve all 58 counties and got started back in 1965 Michael will walk us through that journey, which touches on the Older Americans Act and about the work being done in California, where in 2030, one out of every four Californians will be 60 years old and older. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at pophealthpodcast.com, checking us out on our YouTube channel, or listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Good morning, Michael. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Well, thank you, Gavin. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So today uh, we're going to learn a little bit about C4A, which candidly um, I'm guessing some of the audience is not familiar with. And I didn't know much about C4A uh, for about four years. Michael will explain what it means in just a second. But before we get into that, Michael, uh, we'd like to get to know the guests a little bit and have a little bit of fun when we kick off our episodes. So if I can ask a favor, if you can answer this by keeping your answer outside of the workplace preferred, uh, but can you tell us something about yourself that would surprise us? A fun fact, hobby, something like that. Okay, quickly. Um, although my career now for over 30 years has been in health policy and social policy, um, I actually got tired of that for a period of time about mm, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And uh, I live in the Bay Area, and I think anyone who moves to the Bay Area, eventually you sort of get, um, you, you, you learn about and get involved in the wine industry in some way, uh, manner, shape, or form. And I got enthralled. And so I got my professional certification in wine from the sort of the British equivalent of, called the uh, Wine Spirit and Education Trust. And I actually uh, spent a couple of years as a wine consultant to individuals and to restaurants. And at one point I was doing the wine uh, program at Infusion Lounge, which was this hot kind of uh, restaurant lounge in San Francisco that the 49ers uh, hung out at. Uh -huh. And needless to say, I was I was a little older than the typical people there who were working there, and uh, because you know the night didn't start until after 10 p.m. And I like to think I, I was kind of doing my bit to make it an age-friendly workplace at Infusion Lounge. <laughs> And, uh, and and I also ended up making wine with some uh, some friends of mine. Uh, we we did three vintages and and uh, one vintage uh, of, of Pinot Noir, two thousand and four single vineyard uh, Pinot. Actually, won a prize. So I uh, I feel like I had a brief stint as a 
prize-winning winemaker as well. I was going to say, I literally just wrote down award-winning winemaker on our show today. This might be a first. Uh, I think we're around 200 episodes, Michael, and this might be a first or first that we're aware of. Uh, so, so that is well, great. happy to be groundbreaking there in that regard. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, so I want to get to, you know, basically your background. Uh, so you've, you've hit on that a little bit. Did you grow up thinking you'd be a winemaker? Oh no, not at all. I mean, I, I grew up. I, I grew up in Seattle back in 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 the early days before Microsoft and tech and all of that. It was a it was a town that was really all about shipping, timber, and planes. So you have to think of a very different world back then. And um, fortunately, my father was in the shipping industry, and and we had a chance to travel a lot. He was a lobbyist, actually. So uh, I got to travel, and I got to kind of realize that the world was much bigger than Seattle. And and that's a difficult thing for, you know, because Seattle folks are very proud about about where they live. So I decided I was going to leave at 18 and go off and and go to college uh, somewhere exotic, which turned out to be Montreal. And I, I spent I did my college degree in, in Montreal and learned French and because uh, it was important and then came back to the States for graduate school. But but that was sort of the first step toward um, a, a, an attitude about the world, which is really that, you know, we, we're going through this life and it's really about growth and development. And so since that time, well, I lived in New York and Boston and DC and did, a, you know, lived in LA for a while. And so ended up in the Bay Area. And, um, you know, so here, and now I'm, I'm here and working at C4A. Yeah, so when you mentioned like your dad was a lobbyist, so he was a lobbyist for, uh, like, what type of shipping? Like, if you mind me asking, like, uh, boats? Yeah, yeah. Or- no, he was actually a lobbyist for uh, the Longshoremen's Union. It, it, it's okay. it, so he was on that side of the of the of the shipping, and uh, was a West Coast longshoreman, ILWU, and he reported this guy named Harry Bridges, who kind of is, is okay. one of the legendary labor leaders in, in this country, uh, and oh, then wow. Jim Jim Herman, who went you know, replaced Harry. So it was an interesting, uh, it was interesting growing up in that context, I have to say. Yeah, that's really cool. So you grew up seeing someone lead on the lobbying policy side. You mentioned you went to school in Montreal. Don't have the Canadian accent uh, that I can pick up on, at least, but you were there a short time. Um, So you make, you're an award-winning wine guy and you speak French. Those seem to go hand in hand a little bit. Um, and well, then you the French, been... French would think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did you, so you, you've been out to New York. So was that like when you went to Montreal for school and you did your schooling and master's degree, things like that, was that all policy focused or poli sci? Well, I went to, I went to, uh, a public policy program at the university of Michigan where I got my master's. And when I graduated, most of the people from my program would have gone to DC because it's a really, a federally focused and health policy is, you know, traditionally a, a, a federal, you know, mostly federal, but it was during the Reagan administration and there really weren't any jobs for health policy people. So I ended up going to New York and uh, working at what was then the largest private health insurer in the country, a blues plan called Empire Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Okay. And ended up designing benefit, uh, doing the benefit designs for managed care products early on. So uh-huh. PPOs, IPAs, 
point of service plans, the kind of thing we all live with today. And, you know, that was interesting because it was very innovative at that time. And I, you know, I got to work with actuaries on pricing and I got to work with uh, provider development people, you know, putting networks together. So it was a good foundation. And then, and then the other aspect of that, because I was a policy person, I ended up uh, being uh, one of two of, of, of Empire's policy people in Albany, do, working with their lobbyists in Albany. And we passed, and I think the most significant thing we did was we passed one of the first laws in the country that got rid of discriminatory underwriting in, in the health insurance market, uh, and also forced something called community rating, where there's a okay. flat rate across a pool. And we did that in the individual and uh, small group market. And that, of course, later on became embedded in, in uh, ACA and Obamacare. And is you know some aspects of that are much more prevalent now than they were then. And wow. I, I have to say that that was turned out to be fortuitous that I didn't go to D.C. at the time uh, because uh, Mario Cuomo was governor, you know, the good Cuomo, uh, okay. and uh, he he was very committed to health policy. So that created a context that allowed New York to be very innovative at that time. Awesome! I didn't know you you know, we're kind of a pillar in some of the things that we now see in today's healthcare world, which is really neat looking back, I'm sure, uh, in your career. So walk us through how you ultimately ended up uh, here at C4A. Okay, so I got I got hired away from, from Empire and, and went to work at a boutique consulting firm in DC. And at that point, what we were doing is getting, uh, the, the consulting practice uh, was getting coverage and payment for new products and services in the healthcare um, you know, health insurance market, a lot of drugs, biotech. So, you know, Risperdal, which is a, a psychotic, uh, a number of HIV drugs, a number of oncology drugs, really getting those covered and paid for by the healthcare system. And over time, that's evolved more into getting services covered. And uh, I ended up in San Francisco doing the same thing as I'd done in D.C., and uh, and then gradually kind of spun off on my own and started a consulting practice and started working with AAAs and meals programs and other social service programs, really at the intersection of healthcare and social services, and often for an older population. So that that was sort of the gradual evolution over time, and it it, it ended up where I was in the space that we all are in now which is really that integration of social and healthcare services for you know, folks uh, over 60 and also individuals with disabilities. So uh, one of my clients um, actually came to me and said, you know, we have this, we have this job in, in Sacramento as, as head of a, uh, our state trade association for area agencies on aging. And I had never headed a trade association. You know, I'm not a lobbyist. And um, I had some qualms, I think, at the time about moving to Sacramento. So I thought all those things would ding me. But lo and behold, they, for some reason, decided to hire me. And I like to think that the reason is mainly because of that commitment on the part of the association to the integration of social and healthcare services. And, and they, they, they saw me, the, you know, the board saw me as a, as a facilitator of that. That's great. So C4A, the California Association for Areas. 
Area Agencies on Aging. It's too many words, too many, far too many words. And uh, it is, and so C4A is is the uh, handy uh, doing business as uh, acronym. And uh, it is really the state association that represents area agencies on aging. And if you want, I'll kind of explain what an area agency on aging is. Yeah, that was my next. Go ahead. Yeah, it's one of the least known, um, you know, entities in the in the delivery system of service delivery system in this country. So not a lot of people know that um, in 1965, the year that Medicare and Medicaid was passed by Congress, the Older Americans Act was passed as well. And and it was basically the intent of the act was to provide um, the policy rationale and commitment to providing services that allowed older people who were vulnerable in one way or another to receive services that would allow them to remain independent and in their communities for as long as possible. And that's the fundamental, um, you know, sort of prime directive of the Older Americans Act. And and it's it didn't really reference income levels. So it's really the notion was need, uh, either social need or economic need. And so it expanded beyond pure economic need. So that so they were uh, the uh, act was passed in 1965, 1973. Uh, it was amended to allow for uh, area agencies on aging, which were really seen as the backbone of the delivery network for providing those services that would allow uh, independence to be maintained or enhanced. And uh, so, area agencies on aging came to play or came into being starting in 1973. And this year, uh, or 19, in 2023, three, three AAAs in California uh, celebrated their 50th anniversaries. And it, it was San Diego, um, SourceWise in Santa Clara County, and then, um, uh, uh, what was the next one? It was, uh, it was Area Agency on Aging 4, which is actually seven counties around Sacramento County. So uh, there are three that started at that time. And then in 2024 uh, or 2025, the Department of Aging was established. And so that became the state unit that regulated these AAAs. And so that's that was the, you know, the beginning of the Department of Aging in California. And and what the, what the AAAs do is they serve as an intermediary between federal dollars from the Older Americans Act and uh, the provision of the services. And in, in some cases in California, the AAA will provide those services. And in other cases, they contract out with community partners um, like a Meals, Meals on Wheels program, for example. So and that varies all over the state. Um, the degree to which a, a AAA, as we call them, uh, actually provides services. And That's awesome. How, I was, sorry to interrupt. I was going to ask uh, approximately how many, like, I know we mentioned uh, there's the one that covers seven counties. How many total area agencies on aging are there? In there are 33 in California, which cover all 58 counties. Okay. And two-thirds of those are based in a county. Okay. So, for example, San Francisco has a, a AAA, which is called the Department of uh, Disability and Aging. 
and it is it is the one that represents San Francisco city and county. It's the same uh, for San Diego County and and also Ventura and San Bernardino and a number of other counties, San Joaquin. And that's two thirds of the of the 33. Then the other third is is sort of two kinds of nonprofit entities. One is 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 an entity that represents multiple counties, which of which the Sacramento one is an example. And then there there is one individual nonprofit in Santa Clara County called SourceWise that is the the AAA for uh, Santa Clara County, and that's it's not related to the county, and it's only in uh, Santa Clara County. So you get a range of organizational structures. Uh, and I'll say this, that the, recently we spent the last year, a number of us uh, working on a committee that was put together by the Department of Aging called California 2030, which really looked at what the delivery network should look like and, and or might look like or could possibly look like in 2030. And it just has come out with recommendations, about 59 of them. And uh, the Department of Aging will spend the next few months kind of prioritizing among those recommendations. And we as C4A, because we are the, the representatives of the AAAs in California, will take an active role in, in participating in the discussion about how that future service delivery network will be, you know, what it will be. So we're looking forward to that. That's great. Thanks for the breakdown, Michael. Very helpful. You mentioned uh, one of the services that the area agencies on aging, uh, which we'll probably call AAA for the rest of the episode. Is that the appropriate term, AAA? Yeah, I think AAA is easy. It's, it's so much easier. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I grew up with AAA was completely different, the automobile club that a lot of folks are probably familiar with. Um, right, so right. The AAAs, uh, you mentioned meals. Can you give some examples of other services that the AAAs throughout the state uh, help coordinate and or deliver? for residents right. that are 60 and above, correct? Or is it above 60 yeah. or 60 and above? Well, 60 or above Okay. and and individuals with disabilities as well, as, as, as okay. it turns out. And some of the programs are evolving. So we'll go, let's go into a couple of some of the programs. So the Older Americans Act um, provided, provides funding for a, a range of programs and, and nutrition services is one of the programs, but there's a range of others, okay. um, including uh, caregiver, you know, caregiver assistance and help at home through a, the family caregiver support program, transportation, legal assistance, care management, uh, information and assistance, and uh, also um, uh, so, well, the nutrition services, as I mentioned, those are examples of some of those services that where money flows from the from the feds. Okay. But we have a something called the Older Californians Act in California as well, oh. which most states don't have a, a, an equivalent, which also um, provides funding and structure for additional services, uh, including uh, um, uh, something called the multi-purpose uh, senior services program, which is sort of a I, I think of it as a as a as a more intense, uh, more wraparound, more more comprehensive services for certain individuals, and also um, CBASC, uh, community based uh, adult services. Yeah. So so it's a range of things um, in in that kind of flow out of either 
the uh, older Californians Act or the older Americans Act. And, uh, and, and basically the intent of all of those services is to provide uh, a way to, you know, keep people at home for as long as possible uh, and out of institutions. So one of, one of the services that's evolved over the last um, 10 years or so is transition services, where you really are you're helping transition people out of a hospital or out of a nursing home and back home. Because that's a very, uh, it's kind of a very uh, delicate time because, you know, people have to reestablish themselves at home or in the community. And so they need a series of support services to do that. Okay. Gotcha. So the, uh, the 58 counties are covered by your 33 AAAs. Not to put you on the spot. Uh, so if you don't know the exact number, it's completely fine. About how many Californians are in that category of 60 and above? Oh, right. Right now, um, I think it's, uh, you know, if I, if I, uh, it's so funny because we, we talk about the future more than we talk about the present. Okay. But I, I think, but don't quote me, I think it's about 7 million, something like that, six or 7 million. Okay. Um, and what's happening is, and what people talk about, so don't necessarily quote me on that because I, I may be wrong by a little no bit. But what people talk about is what it's going to be in 2030. And so okay. you'll often hear that a quarter of the population will be over 60 by, you know, 2030. Okay. And that we need to prepare for that. And I think that the takeaway from that is really, you know, we have an aging population in California. We have a service delivery system that's sort of hobbled together over the course of many decades as a function of the Older Americans Act, Older Californians Act, and that we really need to begin to look at that delivery system to really prepare for 2030. And so that's, I know the Department of Aging is committed to do that. I, I know as AAAs, we're committed to doing that as well. And um, in many cases, we know we, we work with our community partners uh, on that issue. You know, how do we integrate? Now, example of something that we're doing right now is is um, integrating with healthcare services around CalAIM. Yeah. So a number of our AAAs have been have have become uh, Medi-Cal providers through CalAIM and are working with their local designated health plans in their uh, service area to provide services to CalAIM recipients that allow them in fact to remain in their homes and independent for as long as possible. So that's that's a step in toward um, rationalizing the, the service delivery system where you really take both social services and healthcare services into account. That's great. And for folks, um, I think most folks that are listening in, Michael, are probably familiar with CalAIM, but for those of you that are listening in or watching that do not, just a friendly reminder uh, for those that do know, it's California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal. That's what CalAIM stands for. And it's under kind of the transforming Medi-Cal umbrella that uh, DHCS, Department of Healthcare Services here in California, is um, is pushing um, over these next few years and beyond. So that's great that the AAAs have seen that opportunity, um, and they're great. It's a perfect fit for a lot of the, the health plans that are filtering those dollars um, to older Americans or older Californians. So one of the ways, well, let me backtrack, Michael, you'd mentioned earlier in the episode that a lot of folks don't know about the AAAs, which I think is true, especially for younger folks. Um, one of the great opportunities that 
I've learned about the AAAs is your upcoming uh, annual conference. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, our annual conference is taking place in San Jose on May 1st to 3rd, shameless plug. Um, and it, it, it targets, it's actually, uh, you know, it targets people in who are providing services you know, to the to, to to the folks over sixty and individuals with disabilities. So we have we ha- have along with disability providers um, have you know are organizing this conference. We're also working with the Commission on Aging as well. And the theme of the project of uh, the conference is uh, the Aging and Disability Network. The best is yet to come, and we're organizing sessions around. Um, Actions, interventions, activities that allow us to be better at what we do and, 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 and whether it's integrating services, whether it's providing a particular service better. And so a lot of the f- kind of focus of, of this conference is going to be on best practices. And, and you fill in the blank about what those, you know, what, what the best practice would be, but we want to make sure we kind of help arm people to both prepare for the future and also um, have some guidelines and some program examples for how you do that. So it's it's going to have a very practical focus. Um, and and uh, although we, you know, we will have some, we'll have some national policy people there as well um, to talk about what's going on at the national level and uh, which is important. And, and then also some, state level people as well. So uh, we'll have the governor's uh, uh, advisor on aging, for example, uh, Kim McCoy-Wade, have Susan Damaris, who's head of the Department of Aging. We'll have Sandy Markwood, who's head of our national association, who, who is uh, quite visionary. And uh, and we've invited the governor, but we, you know, he's a busy man. Yes. And so <laughs> we don't know what will happen in that regard. Well, that's great. And even if he doesn't come, you got some folks who are big influences um, and, and great leaders. You mentioned Kim McCoy Wade, who um, who was actually a past guest on the show and talked about all the different pillars uh, of the master plan. So um, that's great. And I know some of those names and uh, I know uh, myself or my call co- and or my colleagues will be there as well uh, for that uh, conference. Now, the conference is in San Jose this year. I know in the past, Glendale or Southern California has been spoiled a little bit by having the conference, and that's a hop, skip, and a jump from where I live. So it was easy for me to uh, to get there. Uh, why San Jose this year? Well, we wanted to spread the wealth a little bit because the we we have tended to have at least since well in the this is my third year now. Uh, in the first two years, we had the conference in LA, and I understand before that it was in LA as well. And we thought we'd spread the wealth a little bit and have it in Northern California. So. We're, we're, we're going to try it up up here in the Bay Area and um, see how it goes, you know, That's and uh, and maybe what we'll end up doing is going back and forth, you know, doing a Northern California locale and then a Southern California. Yeah, I think and I figured that may be the case um, yeah. that you wanted to, to spread, the, spread it out, spread the love a little bit. It makes sense. And uh, San Jose has got a great airport that's easy to get in and out of. So, um, and cheap lights too so yeah uh, no that's good so my one disappointment about the conference is i suggested a kicker for the title and that it would be knowing the way from san jose but people didn't seem to think that would necessarily work so i don't know 
they might be onto something there, but uh, good, good effort there, Michael. <laughs> well, that's great. So folks uh, that are listening in want to attend the conference or maybe support. Um, one thing I noticed uh, in the past is, um, you know, a lot of the exhibitors, um, a lot of the attendees are government related. But this is also a great opportunity for uh, service providers or not necessarily government related folks to learn as well. Is that correct? Yes, it, it is. Um, it, it is targeted around service delivery, but it is, um, you know, it has a it can it can handle a broader audience. And I, th I think the subject matter is such that it would interest a broader audience as well. Definitely. So if you serve older adults in any way, um, you know, check it out. Uh, great learning for me. Again, like I mentioned, I've been I've been in the industry for 20 years serving older adults. And I'm really grateful uh, that I learned about uh, C4A. So if folks do want to attend, Michael, or potentially support the conference, um, how do they learn about it? What's the website? Oh, um, it's just uh, uh, it's www.c4a.info. So just c4a.info. We have a brand new website. Um, and, and so this is it's timely in our very first information on the website is the conference so we are building out the website it's in process there won't be all the information that we'll eventually have um, on there yet but please go check it out c4a.info awesome michael very good well we're closing out the show now is there anything else we haven't touched on that you think uh, folks should know about c4a and some people actually some of your maybe initiatives for 2024 yeah i think our prime initiative uh, in this year is um, there is a program that now is part of uh, embedded in the Older Californians Act called Aging and Disability Resource Connection, and it's designed to provide comprehensive resource information to individuals uh, that they can use to find services. And it's open and anybody, it's to people of all ages, any income, whatever. Um, it provides options counseling, it provides warm handoffs and follow-ups, and sometimes uh, it will do short-term service coordination for folks who need, uh, they need a long-term plan to be developed, but they're not there yet. So it's a very comprehensive um, program that is rolled out, um, not complete, it's meant to be rolled out completely across the state, but it's still in process. And there is uh, $10 million allocated a year by the legislature for that. Um, we've done the math and we, we realized that actually it needs more money to fully be realized as a statewide network. There's still 16 organizations across the state that haven't been able to, to kind of join the effort because there's no money. Um, and so we're advocating uh, this year, actively advocating for increase in funding for the aging and disability resource connection. And we're doing that with our independent uh, living center colleagues uh, because the, the this ADRCs, as they're known, are managed by both AAAs and uh, independent living centers. And so they're both, it's kind of a jointly managed and it varies by county and jurisdiction, who, who's the prime manager. But we, it's really important, I'll say, to have additional fundings because it's it, you can't really have expanded uh, a, a statewide network that's sustainable unless you do that. And since, uh, I'm gonna bring in the master plan finally, yeah. since, um, since uh, ADRCs are considered a prime component of a no wrong door network, which is one of the goals of the master plan on aging. 
we really feel it's crucial that additional funding be provided to the ADRCs. I really so we'll be working that. on that. We'll be working on that. Yeah, and I'm like assuming in San Jose at the conference, this will definitely be highlighted uh, yes. since it's your uh, major initiative. And I did not know about uh, the aging or the ADRCs uh, until the conference. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, no great great initiative, uh, Michael. Really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, if folks want to stay up to, uh, with you, are you active on social media, or should they just follow uh, the website to stay up to speed of what you guys are doing? Yeah, we have a on on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We have a, a C4A site, so you you can find us at California um, Association of Area Agencies on Aging. And you That's might great. be able to just plug in, in in C4A in the search function. That might work as well. Sounds good. I know your colleague. Uh, when we were putting this episode together, uh, she's definitely. Uh, working with me to make sure there's visibility on what you guys are doing and including this episode. So I definitely see the, the initiative there to have a good presence online. Well, Michael, really appreciate you uh, folks. I've known Michael Thanks. for many years, uh, but gotten to get to know him a little bit better uh, just more recently. So um, it's great to have you, Michael, and look forward to seeing you in San Jose. Thanks again for joining today. Thank you, Gavin. It's a pleasure. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.